millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with a Swansea Club update, where we're, of course, speaking with Gitto Llewellyn, who you can find on Twitter at Gitto Llewellyn. You can also hear him over on the fabulous Swansea podcast, The Jackcast, although I assume it won't be overly joyous at the moment. Unfortunately, you are relegated, and we will get to that in a second. But I first want to start with the match from yesterday. Uh, from the outside looking in, it seemed the Stoke loss was the perfect analogy for your season, where it started brightly and then just kind of crumbled into nothing towards the end. Kind of. Um, I mean, we did have a, a decent start the season where we were tough to beat and we got some, you know, decent results. But then, um, yeah, kind of crumbled into a horrible mess then. But um, in many ways, it wasn't an analogy for our season because um, I think we had 11 shots on target, which is probably <laughs> more than we've had in the other 37 games combined. Um, so it was um, it was a crazy game. Yeah, it was it, the Stoke match was weird um, because... We knew that we were pretty much relegated, barring a mathematical miracle, which was never going to happen. And Stoke were already relegated no matter what. So it was a bit of a relegation party. I mean, the, I'll be honest, the chanting from... We were expecting a really nasty atmosphere, um, like fans really turning on the owners, the chairman, uh, possibly the players. But for the most part, yeah, there were there was a bit of chanting against the owners and the uh, and the chairman. But... For the most part, it was just kind of laughing at ourselves and laughing at how terrible we are. Um, and some the football was like hilariously bad. It was it was actually like entertainingly bad. Um, like watching a bunch of school kids trying to play. You know, it, it was just there was no shape. There was no real structure. Everybody was making mistakes. Um, it was entertaining, um, but um, but yeah, we we. We we probably should have got something out of the game, but let's face it, it didn't mean anything anyway. Um, and it kind of sums it up really that when the final whistle went, there was no noise. Like, and that's it. That is our Premier League season over. Bye, everybody. Like that. It was it was a weird weird occasion, but um, yeah, it, it it again it highlighted the fact that our squad has not been good enough all season. It highlighted the fact that our tactics have been just crazy for the most part and just made no sense um and when you know a team like stoke who weren't good themselves um beats you it, it kind of sums it up and in the you know our final two games of the season we always said we're going to decide you know whether or not we were good enough for this division and we lost to southampton at home and then we lost to stoke at home if that doesn't tell you you're not good enough for the premier league i don't know what does yeah and just Five matches ago, it was all in your own hands, and then you lost all five, which is certainly uh, the easiest way to go down. Um, and you mentioned chances created. Swansea were, of course, last in that statistic in the Premier League this season with 222, uh, about 30 behind Huddersfield. 
which uh, certainly is not encouraging either. Um, you have now gone down, unfortunately, for you. Also, us, I feel uh, like we've been pretty uh, effusive and, and second-teamy about Swansea here on the show for, for years now. Um, but as we talked about the last time we had you on, it did seem like this year was the year you didn't really deserve to stay up anymore. What are your initial thoughts on your relegation? Uh, like you said, it's totally deserved. I don't think there is a Swansea fan alive who could say that we've been um, you know, unfairly relegated. The football's been terrible. The results have often sort of flattered us. Um, I think the fact that we don't go down as the bottom team sort of flatters us, if I'm honest, because if I do look at the teams around us, I'd say for the most part, we've been we've been worse than them. Um, we, we have one of the worst squads in the division and we've probably played the worst football. Um, so nobody can really argue about the relegation. I mean, we've, we were awful in the first half of the season. Um, we had a good three months under Cavallar when he first came in and kind of inspired the team and got everybody motivated. But then that motivation kind of ran out. We took our foot off the pedal. And in the final two months of the season, didn't win a single game. Um, we were perfectly... That, that's the most frustrating thing about this, is the fact that, yeah, we know we're terrible. And yes, we know that we have one of the worst squads in the division. And yeah, we know that we deserve to be in the championship. But this wasn't inevitable. Uh, at the end of March, we were 13th in the table. Um, and at that point, we were thinking, uh, we probably only need like one, maybe two more wins to stay up. Um, and that was with a really, you know, appetizing looking fixture list. And from that point on, we got, I think, three draws, um, which and, and, the, and the performances were, were terrible again. Um, so we put ourselves in a position where we could have stayed up. And we just took our foot off the pedal and we, I think, got complacent. And I think the players thought that they had probably just about done enough and the, the, the other results were just come you know by themselves really uh, and you can't really do that um i had fans of other teams telling me oh you'll definitely stay up because southampton and stoke are so terrible that they're not going to overtake you um and i think that may have actually been the attitude of the club thinking ah oh, we've probably done enough the teams below us aren't going to do anything and then of course southampton did put together a, a decent run of results towards the end of the season and they leapfrogged us um when you you know don't win your final nine games of the season when you're in a relegation battle. You can't complain when you eventually get relegated. So there's no sympathy. There's, there's, if I'm honest, there's not much kind of disappointment or anger or anything like that. It's a kind of emotionless relegation um, where you just think, well, we deserve it. So how can we complain? Um, it's been a really weird one. I thought after the Southampton match, relegation would feel like a punch in the gut. But it didn't. It really didn't. It just felt like nothing. Um, I'm sure the kind of frustration and anger will kick in as the summer wears on and, you know, the players we actually like leave and we see Cardiff preparing for the Premier League and I'm sure there'll be some kind of off-field nonsense like we get every single summer. But until that point, I think people are just kind of emotionless about it. I think we're just accepting of it really which is not what i expected yeah it's it's been an unfortunate uh, fall for grace from a club that was so revered by so many uh, for years especially when you first came up that first season i think will stick in everyone's memory is one of the best we've seen from a, 
uh, promoted side in terms of the football you played, the results you got. I think you took points off Arsenal and Chelsea that first year. Um, and I mentioned on the full show yesterday that, that it wasn't a steep fall from grace from where you were there to where you were now. It just seemed like death by a thousand cuts that every year a couple were stake, a couple of mistakes were made and then it just happened year on year. The managers got worse, the players got worse, the ownership changed, Hugh Jenkins seemed to lose direction uh, as a chairman. Uh, do you agree with that and, and what do you think most pronouncedly led to this kind of demise? Yeah, I, th- I think that's the perfect analogy if I'm honest. It, it was a kind of drip, 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 drip. Um, you know, some clubs just have massive collapses and some clubs just, you know, sell that one player or that one manager who who can who just holds everything together. I think with us, you just I think I think it all goes back, if I'm honest, to the um to, to the takeover in two thousand sixteen. Um I mean we'd had a difficult season that that year, uh where we had sacked Gary Monk. Uh, we'd had what three managers um, that season. Uh, the the standard of football was not up to what we had been accustomed to in the years before that, when we were a brilliant team uh, and and extremely proud of um, not just the results but the the style of play. Um, but we got to the end of that season and we felt that there was still kind of a good um foundation to everything and the squad wasn't too bad and you know there was room to to move on but then came the um the, the controversial sale of the club to uh, an american led consortium um it wasn't popular at the time i think looking back things should have definitely been done differently um our owners before that were very desperate to sell and kind of just sold the club to the first people who were willing to take it just to make a quick buck. That kind of bred a lot of resentment among the fan base. Uh, People came in then who um, I think it's fair to say didn't know what they were doing in running a football club. I think they would admit that themselves. They weren't, they weren't football people. Um, And uh, we, it took, it just kind of, it just destabilized the club entirely. A club which had been, um, very stable off the field for so long and just had this kind of system in place for so long, which worked so perfectly. And kind of that, suddenly that was thrown out the window and it just turned into total disarray off the field. And that just threw everything on the pitch then. The, you know, we had terrible managerial appointment, not, not always terrible, if I'm honest, managerial appointment, but just ones which were made with a short-term view rather than a long-term one i mean since that takeover uh i'm not sure we've had a single manager who's lasted 12 months at the club um we've had you know the whole bob bradley saga was a particularly toxic period for the club um where fans really did not see eye to eye with um with the leadership um and over the years we've sold the kind of core of the squad, any play over the years. I mean, it started off with Ashley Williams um, being sold, uh, who was, you know, an inspirational captain. Looking back, yeah, you can say we sold him at the right time before he got too old and lost his way. But we lost that on-field leadership, which he had provided for so many years. Um, you know, and we, we sold Andre Ayew too, who was our top scorer, and we struggled to replace him. We yeah, we we and of course last summer it kind of all came to a crescendo. We'd we'd only just narrowly avoided relegation the season before that. 
there was a real feeling that the club needed to learn from its errors. And I think, if I'm honest, I think there was an effort to do that on the part of the Americans. I think they they realised that they didn't want the kind of shambolic summer that we had had the previous year. Um, and they wanted to kind of give Clem, Paul Clement the backing that they felt he deserved. But the Gilfie Sigurdsson saga just kind of took over everything. Um, it lingered and lingered and lingered. It was always inevitable he was going to go, but until he actually went, we couldn't bring anybody in. And in the end, it was just some kind of like mad rush towards the end of the summer. It was a completely dysfunctional summer. Um, we bought really poorly. Um, we oh, we have, oh, in the last 12 months, overpaid on some really poor players, the likes of Klukas, the likes of um, Ayu, who, Andre Ayu, who, has, who was never going to you know, do anything to justify the £18 million we pay for it, paid for him. Um, Rocky Mesa was bought for £11 million and he just did not fit in at the club. Uh, and the transfer activity over the last few years, we've we've sold some very good players and replaced them with some really inadequate ones. Um, and over time, you know, this has just transformed the club into one which is quite rudderless. Um, the the off-field um, issues have have really clouded everything. We haven't had a stable manager for um, for for a long time now, and the players, the, well, the playing squad has just progressively worsened over the years. And this was just the season where, after papering over the cracks for so long, the house finally came crumbling down. Um, it it was quite predictable, um, but still quite painful um, when it eventually happened. Um, but it just goes to show, I, th- I don't think we're the only t- Premier League team who've kind of abandoned long-term thinking and just gone for short-term options. I think if you look at a lot of the teams down towards the bottom end of the table, everything is done on a sh- short-term basis. Um, and our relegation should actually act as a warning to them that you can't paper over the cracks season after season after season and still expect to just stay up quite comfortably. You- you're going to make life very difficult for yourself. Yeah, I definitely think this is a shot across the bow for the clubs that do that. As uh, people will know, all three promoted sides stayed up, and then the three that went down have been up in the Premier League for some time now, um, which, which is very interesting. And, and maybe we'll see an end to the kind of cycle of hiring uh, old English managers. Obviously, your club not guilty of that, but um, if it had happened to Southampton instead of you, I mean, that would have been, what, Hughes, Pardew, and Hughes again <laughs> that took them down. Um, but unfortunately... Uh, for Swansea, you weren't able to put it together in the end. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
before we get into some of the players that might be leaving, I think it would be good to, on the other side, take a second to, to just reminisce on some of the incredible things you did. As I mentioned, that first season, you beat just about all of the big boys at one point or another. You win a cup. You go to Europe. I mean, there's a lot to, to be joyful of, of this period that Swansea spent in the Premier League. Absolutely. Um, whatever happens, we can always look back with pride at what we did in our seven years in the Premier League. I mean, we are a small club. There's no doubt about it. This was only our second um, spell in the top flight in our history. Our stadium only holds, holds 20,000 people. We're a relatively small city compared to um, you know the other cities that we're competing with. And we don't have the kind of financial backing that pretty much all the other Premier League clubs have. So to survive for as long as we have, and not just survive, but you know, for, for most of our time here, we've thrived, um, is incredible. We came up um, playing a style of football that we'd been used to seeing in the Championship and League One, but we weren't sure if it was going to work in the Premier League. And it just took everybody by surprise. It was so fantastic. And, and it, there's, you know, when clubs go up from the Championship, yeah, they, they get the occasional win against the big teams. But what we were doing in our first years, we weren't just winning against big clubs. We were actually like outclassing them. We were outpassing them. We were uh, outmaneuvering them. We were playing a type of football that made big, much bigger clubs than us very, very envious. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't think it's going too far to say that we were a breath of fresh air when we first came up, um, and we really did embrace every single second of our first few years in the Premier League. Um, we did win a cup in our second season under Michael Oudrup. A lot of fans will say that that season saw us play the best football that this club has ever played. Um, we went to Europe. We won out in Valencia, um, reached the knockout stages of the Europa League, uh, where we only narrowly went out to Napoli. Um, we, you know, and even after that, we got uh, you know, under Gary Monk, we got a, a, our second highest ever league finish, finishing eighth in the table. Um, we did the double that season over both Manchester United and Arsenal. Um, and, and, you know, all that time we were playing football that we just loved watching. It was attack-minded. It was ambitious. It was really technically fantastic. And we had players who we absolutely loved here. And that is summed up by the fact that when uh, Joe Allen went off in our final match against Stoke um, very early on in the game, there was a standing ovation for him and his name was chanted by, by the entire crowd because we're still very, very appreciative of the impact that those players had on our team and the memories that they leave behind. And those memories are going to last, you know, for a very long time. I grew up, um, you know, in in a uh, hearing when we were down in like League Two and really, really bad. You know, my mother would turn around to me and say, "Oh, at this point, John Toshak would come on and he'd score a hat trick and we'd be fine." You know, and she had those memories of us back in the top flight back in the 80s she remembered that you know all the all the older generation used to tell us how good it was but back in the day and then suddenly we've got those memories who which we can pass on to the next generation and we can make them jealous that we were able to go up to the top division outclass all of these big teams play this fantastic football and you know enjoy it so much and whatever happens if if we go down back down to lead two we'll always have those memories and we'll always be able to look back on them fondly um it is a shame this come to an end but for a club our size to last seven years in the premier league and have the kind of impact that we did uh, you know much bigger clubs than us do not have that kind of impact in the premier league and do not leave the premier league with as many happy memories as we've had so you know we can't really complain at the end of the day about the experiences that we've had, even if it has kind of ended 
um, quite disappointingly. Yeah, two of the players that were there that first year and have been ever since, uh, of course, uh, Angel Rangel and Leon Britton, uh, both of them announced that they were leaving yesterday. Uh, what kind of impact did they have on the club, both on the pitch and off? I think the reception that both of those players got yesterday at Stoke just speaks volumes about the impact that they have had. Um, I mean, starting off, Leon Britton will quite, is quite possibly the greatest you know, club legend that we've ever had. I mean, we've had some brilliant personalities at the club who've, who've, you know, the last time we went up to the top top tier, we we did it the same way, going up from the bottom tier to the top in a very short space of time. But just to put it into context, in 2003, when Leon Britton came on loan to us from, from West Ham, we were rock bottom of League Two and looked cut adrift. Um, we looked like we were going to go down to non-league. And if that had happened with the financial state of the club back then, it would have quite possibly ended the club altogether. He came in and he just inspired the club as a very young player, um, as, as a winger actually back then, um, you know, really inspired the team and, and was one of the key players in, in keeping us up on the final day of the 2002-2003 uh, season. Um, but we didn't have enough money to buy him so there were collections around the stadium for fans to donate money to try and bring him in and eventually we did bring him in on a uh, on a permanent deal and um he's climbed every single league with us and not just you know made the grade he's excelled at every single level um and his role has changed over the years i mean he started off as this kind of dribbling winger and turned into this chavy-esque kind of possession-based, just pass master in midfield, just linking up play. And he, when Roberto Martinez came in um, when we were in League One, uh, he instantly made Leon Britton kind of this key player in the team. And he has remained that key player throughout his time at the club. Uh, he's the one who makes us tick. He is the one who just linked up the passes, let everybody else get on with it. I mean, he, he was just such an intelligent footballer. Um, and... Not not just an intelligent footballer, but also you know a hardworking footballer who always gave his his all. He never ever came off that pitch without giving a hundred percent. I mean, just the perfect player for for if if you were looking for a club legend, Leon Britton was that man. He left the club for like three months after falling out with um, Paulo Sousa, um, the manager in in the Championship. Um, Sousa left for Leicester, and then three months later, after he left, um, Leon Britton was in the crowd for a League Cup match against Wigan and the fans were chanting his name and he says that's what kind of convinced him to return and he played a key role then in the in the promotion that year and then the Premier League, you know, he he was breaking records um, for his pass accuracy. Uh, he was, he, I mean, and, and I, don't, I don't think, you know, I think in the first season, you know, they were saying, oh, he's got this 100% pass record but, you know, it's just Swansea, etc. I think people saw it as kind of a gimmick um, and I don't. I think it it kind of shows the lack of intelligence in kind of the sporting media in 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 the UK at that time, and and um, kind of just general the lack of intelligence of football fans in 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 England. Full stop. That Leon Britton was kind of seen as a gimmick, and the fact that people were saying he should be playing for England was seen as a bit of a joke. When in actual fact, you know, you looked at what he could do. Um, and he was just uh, this modern, fantastic modern midfielder who 
just was too advanced really for for many people to to kind of understand he was an absolutely outstanding footballer and uh, you know last season the uh, famous stories that we when we were in big trouble he came in and kind of showed the players videos of the olden days and the kind of the 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 league two days and the fans etc and kind of inspired the players and told them what the club was all about and there's no doubt i mean people say fans love clubs etc and it's not always true with leon britain there is no shadow of a doubt he absolutely adores this club and would give anything for this club um this season he's just re- too old and his legs have gone and he will now retire he recognizes he's not capable of playing anymore but um I mean, what he has contributed to this club it is more than probably any player has ever done. Um, and he will go down as one of the great legends. Um, and I think the same will be said for Angel Rangel, um, a player who we bought for, what, 15,000 when we were in League One from the Spanish third tier. Um, and he just turned out to be this fantastic footballer um, a brilliant right back, really cultured right back, um, who was great to watch. Brilliant, you know, brilliant in attack as well as defence. But I think the the best compliment I could give to Rangel was that he made the players around him much better. Um, there are times over the last few years when we've been playing some awful football, and just introducing Rangel to the team has got everybody around him passing the ball better. He is a player who just makes the players around him look much better than they actually are. Um, and when when you think for the last few seasons we've had to put up with watching Kyle Norton pretend to be a Premier League footballer, um, it it puts in it really makes you appreciate Angel Rangel so much more. But again, another player who made the step up from League One to Championship, Championship to Premier League, and thrived at every level. Um, and not only, of course, is he it was he a very very good right back. He is for those who don't know also a fantastic human being. He hit the headlines a few years ago because when it was snowing in Swansea, him and his wife just decided to go to the local sandwich shop, buy everything they had. And they went around the streets of Swansea giving out food to homeless people. Um, you know, and, and if he hadn't been spotted by a fan that night, then that story would never ever have got out. But he just, it was a completely selfless act. Um, and it just shows that he, yeah. And he, and he is just, um, you know, a, a brilliant human being on top of being a fantastic footballer. And he gave a fantastic interview with somebody can find it, I think, to the Independent uh, earlier on this season, where he basically said how disappointed he was in the club for losing the kind of Swansea way and that kind of unique um, culture that we had here um, for those uh, initial years. And he, I think he feels it because he was such an important part of that transformation. I think he feels it that that, that that side of the club isn't here anymore. Um, but both of them were given just, uh, you know, uh, the, the most amazing send off on Sunday. And I'm really hoping that, that they don't actually leave the club. Um, I, I'm hoping that we keep them on in some capacity. I think Rangel in particular has the intelligence and the right philosophy to be a brilliant manager um I, th- I think he ticks so many of the boxes that you would be looking for in a young coach and i'd love it if we could utilize him either in the um in the youth setup or joe you know if the club turned around tomorrow and said we're making rangel manager for next season i would be over the moon with that i would i think that would be a brilliant step in the right direction it may be too soon for him 
but I definitely think he has the ability to to still contribute to this club even after um, finishing as a player. Yeah, they both certainly have been a credit to your club. Uh, of course, they will not be the only players leaving. Uh, obviously, Key uh, is out of contract. Abraham and Sanchez, their loans ended. The latter two, more examples of those cuts where you just needed more from them, didn't get it. Um, who else do you think might be heading out the uh, exit door as you head down to the championship? Yeah, um, I mean, the three players that you've mentioned, there, I don't think any of them will be missed for various reasons. I mean, Key has run out his contract and there's no doubt he's, he's probably our best outfield player um if i'm honest but he just doesn't show his ability often enough it, it comes in fits and starts uh, and for the most part he's not looked interested over the last three months and i think whichever club does get key sung young they're going to be getting a very talented footballer but one who um really needs the right manager to get the best out of him um Renato Sanchez obviously is just some kind of running joke this this season. Um, he, again, needs the right kind of manager to get him back on the straight and narrow. Uh, his head is all over the place. Um, and this season has just been a disaster for him. Uh, Tammy Abraham is a different one. I, I, I've never doubted Tammy Abraham's uh, efforts. Um, I think probably this coming to Swansea this season was a mistake for him and could prove to be a bit of a wasted year in his development. But there's no doubt he's a, he's a brilliant young striker um, who is still developing and will develop, I'm, I'm sure, into a very good Premier League striker. It's just that he came to the wrong club at the wrong time. Uh, and I wish him all the best for the future. Um, as for other players, I mean, there, there are a few players that we are actually going to miss. One of them is definitely Lukas Fabianski, um, who I've said before is among the top four or five keepers in the Premier League. Um, I think any Premier League club who gets Fabianski is getting an absolutely incredible and a very complete keeper. There are some keepers who look good because they pull off the odd dramatic save, and then you have genuinely complete keepers who are the whole package, and that's Fabianski. He is the best in the Premier League at dealing with crosses. His distribution is fantastic. And on top of that, of course, he is a brilliant shot stopper. Um, he was crying at full time um, on Sunday, uh, indicating to me he's probably going to be off in the summer, um, but he'll be sorely missed. He's the best keeper we've ever had in our history um, by a mile. And um, he's going to be a huge loss um, and leaves a massive gap to fill. I think Alfie Mawson is probably going to be forced out just to get a bit of cash in. Um, he's the only player we've got who is worth you know, any considerable amount of money. I'm talking, you know, 20 to 30 million pounds. I think he's the only player we've got who will be able to sell for that amount. He hasn't had the best season. Um, he's, he's he's looked brilliant in stages, but hasn't, hasn't quite developed as we would have hoped this season. But he's still very young. And um, I, I, I think there'll be a queue of Premier League teams thinking, hmm, young England, English player, um, has the right attitude, um, a good, good footballer, um, just needs a little bit of improvement defensively. But th- there is a very good player there um, if um, if he goes to the right club. And I, I think the, the club will be desperate to sell him just to get a bit of money in. Um, as for the rest of the team, I mean, Federico Fernandez may want, may not be interested in a championship um, battle. The rest of the squad, I mean... Are they, are they? The question is, are they going to find clubs who are willing to take them? 
Um, we've got an inadequate squad. I mean, the IUs may feel that they're too good for the Premier League, but, you know, Jordan IU hasn't exactly proven himself in the Premier League and he's not an easy player to have in the squad because his his position is undefined and he, he, he doesn't really think the same way as most footballers. Andre Ayew has not set the world alight and having paid £18 million for him in January, I don't think there's a single club out there who would be willing to pay anything near that for him. Wilfred Boney, too, has been injured for most of the season. But again, I don't I don't know if anybody's going to buy him. And then we have a lot of just players who have not done anything really over the last few years, but have been collecting a wage, the likes of Jefferson Montero, who's constantly injured. Bolcha Baston, who was bought for 15 million, but hasn't done anything. Rocky Mesa was bought for 11 million, but has had a nightmare season. Um, you know, we and Wayne Routledge then, you know, is old and way, way past it. Probably not good enough for the championship. Um, but yeah, probably not good enough to be on our bench in the championship, if I'm honest. But try finding me a club who will take Wayne Routledge on and pay him anything like what we've been paying him. Um, We've got a lot of, and, and I'd love if somebody could come along and buy the likes of Kyle Norton, for example, who just is, is an infuriatingly bad player who would not even be good enough for the championship. Uh, try finding me people to to take these players off our hands. I think it's going to be very difficult to clear them out. And there are a lot of fans who want to get rid of all this Deadwood, but it, you've got to find somebody to, to, to take them off our hands. And I think we're going to find that difficult. Yeah, um, another person that could be heading out the door is manager Carlos Carvajal, although he kind of grandstanded a little bit yesterday trying to prove uh, why he deserves to stay, also mentioning that the ownership already asked him if he'd be willing to stay. What did you make of his tenure at the club and, and it ending the way it did? Yeah, the um, the, the post-match interview was strange, very strange. Um, he defended his record, saying that it was the first half of the season which sent us down. Um and that definitely contributed largely to it because we were awful in the first half of the season. Um, we were, I think, rock bottom when uh, Cavallal took over in uh, late December. Um, but when, when he was first appointed, I was very—I I really liked the move because I thought back then what we really needed more than anything else was um, <clears throat> somebody to motivate the players. I thought we needed somebody who's going to inspire them and get them enjoying their football again. And he did that. He really did. He did kind of breathe a bit of air into the team and um, freshen things up, got the players playing a bit more confidently. And um, the results showed. I mean, we went on a on a long and beaten run. Uh, we climbed the table. And like I said, at the end of March, we were 13th. So up until that point, he was doing his job brilliantly. But then that kind of motivation and the inspiration that he had instilled um, just died a little. Uh, and slowly we went flatter and flatter and flatter. And I think he has to take a lot of responsibility for that. He definitely took his foot off the pedal. Um, I, I, you go back to that FA Cup quarterfinal against Spurs, which was a big occasion, but he chose not to treat it as a big occasion, made lots of changes, kind of threw the match, didn't really take it seriously. And that changed the attitude around the club. Up until that point, we'd been this well-oiled machine, which was just grinding out results. and then. He kind of just a, a little bit of complacency just set in at that point, I think. And we started just throwing matches against Manchester United, against Manchester City, against Chelsea. Matches which really in a relegation battle, you can't afford to throw. You have to go and try and get at least a point from every game. Um, but the attitude just changed. 
I think he has to take responsibility for that. And when when the attitude did change and we went flat, I think his tactical weaknesses were, were really highlighted. Um, he never actually changed the tactics from um, Paul Clement's time in charge. We still playing the same formation, largely the same players. And then when you take away Carvajal's sort of um, his inspirational personality from that, then you're left with the same problems we had in the first half of the season. And it's all well and good him saying, oh, well, yeah, you know, we had a terrible first half of the season and it was always going to be difficult to stay up. But the truth is he'd done the hard work. He'd got us into a good position by the end of March and we didn't have much left to do. And he is responsible for not finishing that job. Um, I mean, there are plenty of people who deserve more blame than, than Carlos Carvajal for um, our relegation from the Premier League. But he has to take a share of the blame. And I felt in that uh, interview, he was trying to shift the buck, really, and trying to um, brush his fingerprints off the smoking gun. And you're thinking, well, hang on. No, you have to take a bit of responsibility as manager for this current situation. We should not have gone down. Uh, when you look at where we were in March, but we are going down. Um, and I think his attitude is largely to blame for that. Um, he said that the that he'd had a chat with the manager, uh, with the owner, sorry, and that they had asked him about his availability for next season. I found that astonishing. I, there is nothing about Caviar which suggests to me he is the right man to rebuild this club. Um, I think he had his new manager bounce, but... If you look at what he did at Sheffield Wednesday, you know, in his first season there, he kind of inspired the team and got them um, playing fantastic football. But then the longer it went on, the worse the football got, the worse the results went. And there's a reason why he is that, that the, apart from Sheffield Wednesday, he's not lasted two seasons at any club he's been at. Um, he is a man for a short term quick fix. And that's that's not what we need at the moment. We need somebody who's going to actually change the tactics um, freshen up the squad and um, change the attitude around the club um, because we've become um, we, we've just become a club that that's I, I, it's difficult to describe but but that, that doesn't really love itself as much anymore and we need somebody that's going to get us playing a, a brand of football the fans go into love again uh, and get us liking the players again because I, th I think there is very little to really love about this current squad I just don't think Carvajal is the man to to take us forward I'll be amazed if he's here next season and if we are and well if he if he is here next season then um, I, I don't think he's going to last very long I think we're going to be following the same pattern um, that we've been following for the last few years sacking managers halfway through the following season and if the owners are serious when they say that they are looking to learn lessons, then the first lesson is do not give Carayal a new contract. Look for a fresh direction. Yeah, what do you think that next direction will be as you head into uh, your first championship season? Are, are you excited about the potential it brings or do you think the same kind of negative attitude will continue to surround the, cl the club? I think we've got a difficult season ahead of uh, summer ahead of us. Um, I think of all the clubs that have been relegated from the Premier League I think we've got the biggest rebuilding job um, I really think I'm looking at that squad and I'm not seeing too many players who not just have the ability but have the right attitude to, to kind of turn things around and get us back into a winning club I think when you get used to losing for so long 
it's very difficult to shake that off. I think we, we've seen that with Sunderland this season, with Villa the previous season. Um, it is difficult to just flick a switch and suddenly go from a team that's losing most weeks to being a team that's winning most weeks. Um, if we are going to do that, we do need um, a, a totally new philosophy and, and a lot of new players in the team. Uh, a lot of fans are eager to see more under-23 players promoted from the academy. That's something I'm, I'm definitely in favour of, but we need to be careful that we don't rely on young players. We still need those senior heads around them to give them a bit of direction. Um, that means we need quite a few new players. Um, there are many problem positions in this squad. Fullback, midfield is a disaster zone. We don't have any quality wingers. Um and we could probably use, well, actually, we're probably okay up front. Uh, and we'll probably be looking for a new keeper if Fabianski goes. So, yeah, we've got we've got a lot of rebuilding to do. Um, the, the, the only name that's been seriously mentioned so far in, um, in the press is Graham Potter, who um, has been managing Östersunds in Sweden for a number of years. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, the only time I've watched Östersunds were when they played Arsenal in the Europa League. Um, I mean, they look decent. They, 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 you know, they looked fine. They got, they, they gave Arsenal a bit of a scare in the second leg. Um, apparently, he tries to get his players play passing the ball and playing quite attackingly. Uh, he's taken us to sons from the lower divisions in Sweden to the Europa League. So, you know, he deserves a lot of credit, and there's a lot to like about him. But I'll be honest, I have a prejudice against. So hiring managers from the Scandinavian leagues. I don't think it's the best breeding ground for managers. And there are managers who have done well in the Norwegian, Swedish, Danish leagues, but who have come to um, the, you know, the championship or the Premier League and have, or, or you know, or just UK in general um, and, and have really flunked. Um, I'm thinking... Ronnie Dyla at Celtic, who is who is just who had been very successful in Norway, but was god awful when he got to Celtic. Um, of course, we took Bob Bradley, um, who had worked in Norway um, and was a total disaster at Swansea. Cardiff down the road uh, appointed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and um, that was a total disaster. And then you go back a few years in the Championship to when Wolves hired um, Stal Solbakken. Um, and again, he was a very highly rated manager. He'd done very well in Denmark, but he came to Wolves and and took him down um, from the Championship. You know, he was uh, he was he was a, again a total total disaster. So, I'll be honest, I do have just a worry whenever a club in this country goes to Scandinavia to look for a manager. But you know, if anybody is going to make that work, it's probably. Um, Graham Potter, who um, is obviously English, so you'd expect would have a decent understanding of English of of the English football league and how it works. Um, but by according to everybody you speak to, uh, with uh, who's studied Östersunds in any great detail, he plays decent football. Um, so if he was to come here, I wouldn't necessarily be. Um, I wouldn't be against it in any way. I think it would be the right kind of thinking. Even if I, I, you know, it, I think it would be a risk. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, hopefully things do get better for you down in the championship uh, as a club. As I mentioned, a lot of people will be sorry to see you go. We're certainly included. And on a personal note, uh, very sad to uh, 
Uzi from the show. You've been a great uh, contributor over all the years, since our first year, five years ago, which is pretty incredible. Uh, we've absolutely loved having you on. Hopefully, uh, if you're interested, you can be involved in the championship show, but just wanted to say thank you for everything uh, you've brought to this show over the years. If you'd like to tell people where they can find you, now would be a good time. Has it really been five years? Wow, yeah. that, that makes me feel old. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's going to be a shame that I'm not... Um, contributing to the podcast next uh, next year um but if you want to hear more um on the swansea city post-mortem you can find us at the jackcast on twitter we should be recording a podcast on tuesday or wednesday and it should be up later on this week um or you can catch up on uh, last week's podcast which was recorded immediately after huddersfield had more or less relegated us uh, and we started the we i guess we kicked off the post-mortem then um so yeah if you want to uh, revel in our misery and misfortune then those are really good podcasts to listen to <laughs> hopefully not too many Cardiff fans tuning in then um, thanks again for uh, joining me Gito it was a pleasure as always and whether or not it's on a show I'm sure we'll speak soon A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.